Welcome back to Core Conversations, a CoreLogic podcast. I am your host, May Claire Bolton-Smith, and I'm the Senior Leader of Research and Content Strategy with CoreLogic. In this podcast, we'll have conversations with industry experts about key topics, from housing affordability to the impacts of natural disasters on property. It's been well over a year since the beginning of the pandemic, and in that time, much has changed in the world of property. Home prices have skyrocketed. The CoreLogic Home Price Insight, or HPI report, which covered analysis through July 2021, indicated that home prices nationwide increased year over year by 18%, an all-time high. While existing homeowners have gained a lot in equity, with mean equity in the U.S. at more than $100,000, first-time homebuyers had faced a daunting market. The combination of the lack of inventory as people become sell-shy in the face of COVID-19 and low interest rates have made purchasing a home more unreachable. So as we blaze past a series of events, the availability of vaccines, the loosening of pandemic restrictions, the coming end of the forbearance moratorium and more, the question remains, what does the future hold? So that's why I'm excited to sit down again with our very own Dr. Frank Notaf, Chief Economist at CoreLogic, to talk about the road ahead. So Frank, welcome back to Core Conversations. Well, thank you so much, McClare. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. All right. So our listeners likely already know who you are, both from your prior appearances on this podcast, but also because, well, you're kind of famous. So but in case people don't know who you are, can you just tell a little bit about your background and maybe let's share a fun fact about you today? Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, um, after I got my Ph.D. in economics, I moved down to um, the Washington, D.C. area and I joined the staff at the Federal Reserve Board. So I worked on housing and mortgage, real estate property issues for the the U.S. Central Bank. uh, And I I enjoyed that a great deal. Uh, And then from there, I moved on to uh, Freddie Mac and I was chief economist at Freddie Mac. Now I'm in my seventh year as chief economist at CoreLogic and uh, really enjoying working with all the uh, data products and uh, analytics that we have here at CoreLogic. A fun fact. Well, let's see. Uh, I've gotten really into genealogy over the last several years. Oh. Uh, you know, it kind of marries some of my my really uh, some of my interests. I like doing research and I, I like history. No better way to uh, marry the two of them together but to do genealogy. Wow, I love that. That's great. I you and I know each other very well, and I did not know that about you. So thanks for sharing. Perfect. I got to ask though, have you found anything interesting? Are you related to somebody famous? <laughs> I wouldn't say anyone famous. I, I, you know, I found some interesting knickknacks, uh, but um, I can't say um, I haven't been able to link myself to any uh, nobility or kings or queens or anything like that. <laughs> well, not yet, but keep 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 up the research. You never know what you'll find. <laughs> All right. So let's dive in. So it's been a few months now since the start of the the really busy part of the home buying season. Have we seen an increase in supply in that amount of time? And has any added supply resulted in any decrease in home prices? I know we've talked about this a ton on the podcast already about how there's this shortage of properties. There's not a lot on the market. It's led to this increase in prices. Has that changed? Oh, I tell you, uh, it's such a a tight market right now. The inventory of homes on the market for sale, it's some of the uh, the leanest inventory that we have seen uh, ever. Um, Mm -hmm. When we looked at our uh, CoreLogic uh, multiple listing service data for the month of July, 
we found that the uh, month's supply of inventory on the market was only two months. Typically, what we normally see is about four to five months uh, inventory. So two months is just a crazy low level. Um, and it reflects, in part, the, some of the conditions of the pandemic. Uh, the median age of an owner-occupant homeowner in the United States is 57 years of age. That's the median. So that means roughly one half of all owner occupants are baby boomers or older. And uh, during the course of the pandemic, many older homeowners have decided to postpone or delay listing their home for sale until after the pandemic is in the history books. So a certain number of baby boomers and older uh, owner occupants ordinarily would sell uh, list their home for sale during the course of, uh, of a year. But we've seen that really fall off over the, uh, the last 18 months. And that's one of the factors contributing to this shortage of inventory on the marketplace. Um, so, you know, I am expecting that we'll see increases in inventory as we get into spring of 2022, because I think by then, a lot of the concerns about the pandemic will be behind us. And many of the older homeowners who had postponed listing their home for sale, I think um, as we get into the beginning of 2022, many of them will be ready to list their home for sale. And that'll add to increases in inventory. Also this fall, I think we'll probably see some increases in inventory on the marketplace, because uh, that's typically a time of year when we see uh, demand to buy homes typically uh, moderate or wane relative to uh, the spring and summertime. Yeah, so it's interesting because I, I hear you say when the pandemic is over, when the pandemic is behind us, and I think all of us a year and a half ago never thought that we would be this far in and this would still be going on. And it feels like this pandemic may never, ever be behind us. But I think, you know, we, I feel like we are seeing something that's cyclical. It's all the, all everything in real estate and property is always cyclical. And, you know, I think, I think of us, like many of other people, I feel like we've outgrown our home during the pandemic because we realized we have less space than we thought that we needed. And I know I struggle between should we sell because it's kind of attractive because it's a seller's market, but it's terrifying because we could sell this house and never be able to find another one because there's no nothing available. So it just feels like it's a, a vicious cycle and it's just continuing to contribute to, you know, will people ever be able to enter the home buying process just or never be willing to take the leap because of this kind of cyclical problem we're seeing with shortage right now? Oh yeah, uh, and it's a it's a real challenge, especially with the uh, home prices up uh, so much. So I'll just give you an example. Let's say home yeah. prices in the area that you live in, let's say they're up seventeen percent over the last year. If you're a first-time home buyer, that means the the nest egg, the, mm. the amount of savings that you need in order to buy a home is seventeen percent bigger now than it was one year ago. Uh, you need the nest egg for the down payment, the closing costs, and the cash reserves after you settle on the house. So when you think about it in those perspectives, the, the, the double-digit home price growth that we've seen in so many communities around the United States over the last year has increasingly made it challenging for first-time home buyers to break in 
and buy their first home and transition into home ownership. And you raised a, a really uh, interesting um, uh, uh, comment, uh, McClare, when you when you mentioned that during the pandemic, so many of us are looking for more space. That's absolutely true. Yeah. What we see uh, among uh, families generally is as a result of the pandemic, they're looking for more uh, living space inside their home uh, because many, many of us need a, an office from home. And for those of us with kids, we may need a schoolroom from home as well. So we're looking for more space inside the home, but we're also looking for to social distance from our neighbors. So we're looking for more space outside the home. And so we've seen a distinct preference for single family detached houses over the last 18 months compared to single family attached or compared to multifamily residential structures. So it's really an interesting um, uh, change that we've seen in consumer preferences among residential structure type. Yeah, I know. I know that that's exactly what we're seeing, what we're hearing, you know, from other friends and from us as well, too. And I, I guess, you know, we, I feel like so many of us are tired of talking about the pandemic already now, but this pandemic has induced so many things in our daily lives. And I think of the pandemic induced supply shortage and just curious on how much it has impacted the housing supply gap. I know there's some stats from Freddie Mac that's projected 4.35 million undersupply by 2022. Is this even worse now when we take everything into consideration from the past year and a half or so? Or And the other thing too, we had a podcast on this about a month or two ago, construction prices. How have has the cost of construction and, and labor and, and lumber in particular, how has that contributed to this supply shortage? Yeah, that's a great question and a great observation about the undersupply in, of housing. Uh, over the last decade, we've had an underbuilt housing market. You know, what, what I mean by that is that the number of homes built really have been insufficient to keep up with the number of new families, the number of new households that are being mm. formed in the United States over the last decade. Now, uh, you know, we look back a few years ago, what we saw was that vacancy rates on housing gradually declined. And that was good because 10 years ago, we had uh, elevated vacancy rates in the housing market. That's not the, the case any longer. The vacancy rates have come down and currently we have a generational low in vacancy rates. Um, wow. And uh, that's really uh, kind of under, underscored the uh, underbuilt nature yeah. of the housing market. Now, it's true that we've seen a pickup in construction, especially single family construction uh, over the last year. But uh, many of those newly built homes also come with a, a big price tag. Sure, and yeah. it uh, ties in with what you uh, asked about construction costs. We've seen increases in labor costs. We've seen increases in material costs. Lumber, in particular, lumber costs, they have doubled. Uh, we see that in the CoreLogic construction cost data. Lumber costs, it's crazy. Uh, more than double what it was just a year ago. Um, yeah. Now, for builders, they pay those costs, but they've got to pass them on 
to uh, the home buyers. And that's a, that's a reason why the price tag on newly built homes seems to be just so high. Yeah, it, it really is. And, and I know, you know, any of us that have a home that's a little bit older, our, the home that we live in is 50 years old and things go wrong and things break and you're like, I just want new construction. I just want something brand new. And it, it is those properties that have those big price tags on it. Something else, when, when I think of big price tags, there's often a lot of blame on investors when we look at home prices. I know, you know, especially I live in the Bay Area, there's a lot of investors that come in, they buy homes, they flip them. We, we hear this. I mean, there are HGTV shows about this. This is what people do. Uh, but that's often been the blame for what's really driving prices is investors come in and buy these properties and then just shoot the prices up. Is that warranted? Is is that you know really what's happening? How how much of the investor activity has accounted for this explosion in home prices, or is it really just because of the supply and demand because of the pandemic? A, a, a great question, and uh, you know here at CoreLogic we have just issued a report on the single family investor marketplace, and what we've observed is actually the percent of homes bought by single family investors has actually declined a little bit over the last mm. couple of years from 2018 to 2020. Um, the overall number of homes investors have bought has held about the same, roughly about a million homes a year. But as a percent of all homes sold in the US, it's actually down a little bit. Wow. Uh, so, you know, it's not to say that maybe in some neighborhoods, some communities, uh, sure, there's uh, more competition uh, between investors and owner occupants to buy homes. Uh, but overall, looking back over the last couple of years, uh, investors are buying a smaller share of homes than they were uh, back in 2018. Uh, so um, I think it's you know, I, I don't think it, it's it's fair to, to blame a lot of the home price rise yeah. on investors. Really, what I think the home price gains uh, are attributed to is just this real strong demand to buy, driven by the record low rock bottom mortgage rates that we've seen over the last 12 months, and the fact that um, the the inventory listed for sale, the supply, is is so much lower compared to what it was pre-pandemic. And that's really yeah. what's driving this double-digit home price growth that we see in so many neighborhoods around the U.S. So that triggers a thought that I, I want to go in a bit of a different direction because something else that is another important topic is foreclosures. And we've talked with our colleague and good friend Pete Carroll a few times about forbearance and what's been going on with the pandemic. And I guess now if we begin to see people emerge from the forbearance moratorium, have people had enough time to get back on their feet, gain income? I mean, I know there were a lot of people laid off during the pandemic. We're starting to see the economy bounce back. But are people going to be able to contend with their loans or are we going to see a wave of foreclosures as a bounce back impact of the pandemic? Oh, yeah. And you're absolutely right, uh, McClare. The pandemic had a severe impact on so many workers, uh, 
throughout the U.S. economy. More than 20 million jobs were lost in the first two months of the pandemic. Incredible. We have never seen job loss at that rate in such a short period of time. And that's been so challenging and difficult for so many uh, families, especially yeah. if you layer on top of that the illness and, in some cases, uh, death of, uh, of a major breadwinner in the family because of the pandemic. It's been really very, very hard for uh, some families to kind of right their financial ship and be able to get back to um, uh, making current payments on their mortgages. Uh, the forbearance program has been just a huge help for many of these families who've been going through a whole variety of financial distress, medical distress, mental distress during the course of the uh, pandemic. Uh, now, many have been able to emerge from forbearance and they have been successful in riding their financial ship uh, through the help of uh, loan modifications, uh, they have been able to get back onto a monthly payment plan and be current uh, on their mortgage, on their modified mortgage. So that's been good news. Uh, however, uh, undoubtedly, there will be some families who will not be in a position to be able to make payments once they emerge from uh, the forbearance program. So we are likely to see an uptick in um, distress sales as some uh, families who've been really challenged uh, by the uh, pandemic emerge from a forbearance. However, I think it's just an uptake. I, we're not expecting a, a foreclosure tidal wave like we saw during the Great Recession back in 2008, 2009. Uh, nothing at all like that. Uh, there will be some neighborhoods that will see an uptick uh, in, um, in distress sales, such as foreclosures, um, short sales, uh, but not a, not a tidal wave. I think most families will be able to emerge from forbearance um, in, in a, uh, and be able to handle the, uh, uh, the modified uh, loan payments on their mortgage. The economy has really bounced back quite strongly, thanks in part to very accommodative monetary policy, which, which is a fancy way of saying mortgage rates have been very, very low and interest rates have been very, very low, um, but also the, the significant amount of fiscal stimulus that's been provided by Congress. Uh, that has really helped to drive economic growth uh, a reopening of uh, many uh, stores, restaurants, uh, local economies, and that's put people back to work. So as we get to the end of the 18-month uh, forbearance period, we may very well see that uh, by far most, uh, most borrowers will actually have been able to start to rebuild their financial well-being and be in a position uh, on a modified loan to be able to uh, make those payments and stay in their home. Well, that, that's really positive because I think, you know, at the start of what you started to walk through, 
was really staggering at the the impact that this pandemic has had on our economy. So it, it is good to see that so many people are back on their feet and and should be able to continue because some of this this help that has been available combined with the lower interest rates and lower mortgage rates as well too. So I'm I'm glad to hear that it doesn't look like it will be pushing us into another great recession like we had a little over a decade ago. So I guess on that topic, just to to close, I, a lot of times we like to say, if you had a crystal ball, look into your crystal ball, which none of us have, but we wish we did have. But, you know, what will recovery look like in, in the coming months and even years ahead? I mean, a, a year ago, I don't think we thought we would still be in this pandemic state that we are right now, even with the rollout of vaccines. And, and here we are. So if we look forward to the coming months and year ahead, what do you think recovery looks like? Well, well, in short, I think 2022 will actually look like a really good year. Now, again, um, we are expecting that the pandemic wanes uh, and it is, is not a, um, uh, doesn't have an impact on the economy in uh, 2022, a negative impact on the economy in 2022. Um, so what we're expecting is that a lot of the stimulus uh, from the uh, uh, federal government, as well as the reopening of, uh, of companies and jobs and industries, uh, will lead to further declines in the unemployment rate with pretty robust job growth. So by the end of 2022, we may actually see the unemployment rate nationwide be down to about 4% or maybe a little bit lower which will be close to what it was pre-pandemic. So in February 2020, right prior to the pandemic, the unemployment rate nationwide was 3.5%. We could get possibly close to that by either the end of 2022 or the beginning of 2023. So that's a really bright sign. And that means with that much job growth, uh, that there'll be uh, a lot more um, income flowing into the pockets of um, American workers, which is a really good sign. Um, so um, I, I think the overall economy will, will actually perform quite, quite well. Um, for the um, housing market, we are expecting a slowdown in a home price growth, and CoreLogic does have a home price index forecast that we update and release each and every single month. And our forecast is for moderation in home price growth. We're not expecting home prices to decline. Uh, we're not expecting our national home price index to decline at all over the next couple of years, but we are expecting it to slow. So right now, and for the last several months, we've, we've been posting double digit annual price growth in the CoreLogic home price index. Once we get to 2022, I think it will slow uh, we're expecting as an annual average for 2022, about 5% growth in home prices and moderating to about 4% home price growth in 2023. So again, no crash in home prices, uh, but, it, but a significant moderation from where we are today. And that moderation comes because I do think we'll see more uh, inventory come on the market for sale, especially from those older owner occupants who were postponing, who were delaying listing their home for sale because of the pandemic. I think we'll see that come on the market. Might see a little bit of additional supply 
coming from um, those uh, borrowers who come out of forbearance programs, so that could add a little bit to supply for sale as well. Um, and then on the demand side, I do think we'll see some moderation in, in home buying demand just because of the affordability pinch. The uh, lack of affordability is really going to be affecting the pocketbooks of potential home buyers. It's affecting many of them today. I think it'll, it'll affect even more as we get into 2022. So between a moderation in demand because of the affordability pinch on their pocketbooks and some increase in inventory for sale on the supply side, uh, that translates into a moderation of home price growth. And our HPI, our home price index forecast as an annual average for 2022 shows about 5% home price growth, much, much less than what we're experiencing right now. Well, that's definitely a bright note to end on. And, and I, I like that, that it looks like the future is bright. 2022 and 23 and beyond look like they will be a lot different than we've seen now. So thank you for that perspective. And you and our listeners can be guaranteed that Dr. Frank Notaft will be back with us again on this podcast as we continue to just monitor what's going on in the state of the world as we look at different economic trends. So thank you so much, Frank, again for joining us and being a part of Core Conversations, a CoreLogic podcast today. Oh, yeah, I, I always enjoy speaking with you, McClare. So uh, thanks so much for, uh, uh, you know, getting together with me today. Anytime. So for more information on the property market and the housing economy, please visit us at corelogic.com intelligence. Thanks for listening. I hope you've enjoyed our latest episode. Please remember to leave us a review and let us know your thoughts and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to be notified when new episodes are released. And thanks to the team for helping bring this podcast to life. Producer Rhea Tarakia and editor and sound engineer Romeo Roman. Tune in next time for another Core Conversation.